Welcome to the Kate McGuire podcast, the bridge to health, where we help people live healthier lives. I had a life-changing experience with natural medicine in my 20s and became passionate about health, nutrition, and natural alternatives, and it is right here that you will find answers. My goal is to give you access to experts and information to help you on your health journey. My other passion is business, and as a multiple business owner, I provide an insider view of the entrepreneurial journey and share the path to help you achieve success sooner and better. Remember to follow me on Instagram at katemaguire.ca for more information and reach out to me if there's something you'd like to hear more of or information I can track down for you. I am your host, Kate McGuire. Welcome to my podcast, The Bridge to Health. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Kate McGuire podcast. And today I have a scientist and it's so cool. His name is Dr. Joseph J. Richardson and he goes by JJ and is currently an associate professor and future fellow at RMIT University in Australia, focusing on how nanomaterials interact with plants. Isn't that cool? He has a BA in philosophy MS in Industrial and Systems Engineering, both from the University of Florida, and a PhD in Chemical and Biomolecular Engineering from the University of Melbourne. His research focuses on the formation of nanoparticles and nanofilms, and how these interact with biological systems, targeting applications such as IVF, forensics, antimicrobial coatings, diagnostics, nanobionics and space. JJ has two products on the market, one of which we're going to talk about today, and was a competitive break dancer for over a decade. JJ has lived and worked in seven countries. Recently, he just left Tokyo, Japan after two years, and now he's in Melbourne, Australia. He is also in the top 1% of scientists in the world based on citations. Looking forward to chatting with them. Listen up. Welcome back to the Kate McGuire podcast, where our goal is to help people live healthier lives. And today I have with me Dr. JJ Richardson, who's joining me from a, his new home, or actually he's a temporary resident with friends or family. He's going to tell us about that, but he's moved to Australia. He was just in Japan. He's from Florida. He's a scientist. It's just going to be a cool conversation. So we're going to dive right in. And uh, first of all, let's just talk about you literally when did you arrive in australia yeah just about two nights ago it's night right now it's morning there it's summer and hot in toronto it's cold and wintry in melbourne so everything's oh, wow. flipped. yeah so it's 8 a.m here for me it's 10 p.m for you you have a little one and now you've said you've just you're, you've got another like you're staying with friends or yeah staying with my brother-in-law and their family so uh my niece is three days apart from my son so they're like causing all sorts of havoc, but luckily sleeping uh, very soundly right now after oh, a crazy day. Yeah, that's, that is crazy. And what's even crazier is you just came from Japan and doing a two-year stint in Japan, working at the University of Tokyo, which is so cool. We're going to talk about that too. Um, but, and I, I think, so we're going to cover a lot of things today, but I want to go right back to the beginning, just about you, Dr. JJ, and how you have become this, uh, like you're one of the, what with the sci a scientist? Where did I read that you are like one of the most published scientists under 35? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the top 1% of cited scientists total kind of. Um, so 1% of scientists cited like, okay, people, we've got someone pretty cool here with us today. So 
we have a lot to cover. So we need to get back to this boy and eventually became a PhD uh, with a, in chemical and biomolecular, uh, what, medicine or? Engineering, engineering. Engineering, okay, okay, so here we go. So um, I think you told me that you had uh, been to the University of Florida and you did your degree in philosophy, right? And you're always fascinated by learning, but eventually ended up becoming a scientist, which is incredible. Did you picture that for yourself when you were a kid? So I guess I didn't, I didn't dream about the future much. I was very much just happy to kind of be a kid and learn whatever I could. But um, I heard a lot that like, oh, you'll, you should be a scientist one day or, or something like that. And so it was definitely there, but it wasn't until very late in my, in my bachelor's degree that I really realized the distinction between what a medical doctor does and what a researcher does. And I really wanted to have the broadest impact possible. And um, you have a very acute impact as a, as a physician. You have a very broad impact when you're a researcher developing therapeutics or things that could help people in their everyday life. So it's two different approaches. Both add a tons of value to society, but I really wanted that very broad, um, very broad intellectual approach. So that had been on your mind, like you actually, even at that young age, you were thinking about how to help people and you were interested in medicine. Uh, you were interested in these things. So you actually were doing an examination on yourself about whether to go into medicine and helping people or research. Okay. So that, that's, that's interesting. So your first degree then led you, did you know that when you pursued more education, that research was where you were going? Yes, yeah. So it became pretty clear that that's where I would go. It just wasn't exactly clear which aspect of research I would go into, you know, which specific field. And eventually it was chemical and biomolecular engineering because I was interested in nanomaterials for medical applications. But um, in, the, in the meantime, I did a master's in industrial and systems engineering because I'd heard from friends and family that cost was one of the biggest barriers dividing medicine research and then actual translation the business side of getting a product to people that often it was something could be discovered but it wasn't scalable we just couldn't make that much material or we couldn't you know sell it for a price or even make it for a price that could make it economical so that really sparked my interest in the system side and the industrial side of how do you actually get something all the way through to people's hands mm. And it's an enormous process, a lengthy process, an expensive process. So that's, yeah. Now let's just back up a second. What are nanomaterials? Yeah. <laughs> For so, all of us regular folk. <laughs> that's, that's a great question. And there are all sorts of fantastic analogies, metaphors, and parallels that scientists have come up with. And they're all really lacking. Like you can say it's, I don't know, a thousand times smaller than the, the width of a human hair is, is you know, yeah. this nanoscale. But in reality, it's, it's when we get to things that are so tiny, we can't actually see them with our eye. And we can't even see them with a light microscope because the wavelength of light is too big to actually pick these objects up. And on this level, this is the level that viruses live at. Uh, fantastic things happen all sorts of you know, wondrous properties emerge from materials like gold that is inert when it's big and, and blocky and shiny. When gold gets to the nanoscale, it can have beautiful properties with light, it can be fluorescent, it can be used as sensors, it can heat up to kill cancer, just things you couldn't even imagine that your, you know, my gold ring could do 
but it mm -hmm. can. So um, a lot of our phones, our foods, you know, milk is a nanomaterial. It has these really small nanoparticles that scatter light. And that's why it's white because it's just scattering all, sort, all colors of light of the rainbow. So you get white at the end of the day. Um, yeah, it's everywhere. That's incredible. That is incredible, honestly, because your average person <laughs> hasn't been to the classes you've been to and it would not and would not know that. But you explained that so uh, so well and so clearly that I do understand that. That's amazing. So you your study brought you to to this to nanomaterial. You were fascinated by it. Obviously, you did in-depth study of it. And so like and then we were talking about how, you, you know, you're interested in medicine research. How you could help, how how we could uh, create things that could help people, uh, and a massive process involved in that. So, where was your starting point then? Like, would would it be a like would it have been a first study you conducted? Would it have been like a project you worked on? What was the very first thing that sort of started moving you to eventually where you are now today? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So, at the start was really like a PhD is we have to create new knowledge. So it's a doctorate of philosophy. So I started with a bachelor's in philosophy. I ended up with a doctorate in philosophy. We have to do something that's never been done before. And there's, there's luck involved with that because you can't guarantee that what you're studying is going to work or find anything meaningful. And so with that, I looked at some, uh, how to improve processes to make these, these nanomaterials that we could potentially use for medical application. Because I went to a lab and everyone was researching these fantastic applications, but everyone kept telling me, oh, the problem is we can't make enough of them to study it, you know, on mice or on cancer cells. We can't make enough. We need more. We need more. But no one was trying to solve the problem on how we actually make more. So people would just hand make artisanally for days enough of these tiny things until they could do one test. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So okay. that was my, my first um, exposure to it. And during that time also... With my colleague, uh, Professor Hirotaka Jima, who I eventually, you know, last two years uh, spent with him at University of Tokyo, he was in Melbourne doing research, and we discovered this material made from a plant extract and metals, and we could make these fantastic nano coatings. They'd existed throughout history, different forms for thousands of years, in almost every culture. So we could tell they're valuable. But but back then, they wouldn't have known they were nano coatings. They would just be something very useful in their everyday life. And that's when kind of it struck that this was a material that the cost was clearly very low on. If people could do it in, you know, Japan 5,000 years ago, in Europe 2,000 years ago, clearly it was affordable, but we had to figure out what to use it for, essentially. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of my research is focused on ways to develop that, to study the material, to create to fine tune it to do what we want. Okay, so this material, this is the stuff that you're working on now, right? Yes, and, yeah. and have been for about 10 years, yeah. Oh, wow, see, the process is so long. <laughs> yes. And Right, and so what in a plain person's terms, what would this material be? So we, essentially what we use almost always is, is a plant extract that's commonly found in tea. And it's a polyphenol. People have heard of polyphenols because of their health properties. They're incredibly um, beneficial. They're antioxidants, which people might not know exactly what that is, but they know that's good. And mm -hmm. it is good for your health. Um, and they're very unique because they stick to everything. And that's what we found in our, our first study. It was published in the most prestigious journal um, that exists in academia, which is called Science. And they stick to everything. 
And that's why your tea stains or wine stains or chocolate stains on your shirt don't wash out because they will stick and you use soap and they still stick. You have to use OxyClean to physically, chemically break that polyphenol yes. down. And we found that they love metals, almost any type of metal. And when you mix these two together, you get this beautiful nano coating. It's very reproducible. It's very easy to make. It's water-based. And so check all these boxes for the nanoscience field on what you want uh, in a nanomaterial. But we still had to find out what we could really use it for. And we've published probably over 100 papers on this topic um, because it's such an interesting field. Researchers all over the world are studying it. But we recently in Japan got the very first product out on the market for it. We now, um, I have another colleague who's uh, back in China and he got the second product out on the market about a month ago. So it's now, it normally takes 10 years for research to really hit the market. And that's, we, we got out in about eight and a half years, but it really shows that it takes a long time from discovery to translation. It does. And it's so funny. I mean, even in business, it's people, I tried, well, what took me time to learn is that everything takes longer than you actually anticipated ever taking. It takes more money. It takes more time. It takes more, I, I think it takes years off your life. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes. Yes. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, there's just so much more that goes into these things uh, with any sort of project when, as you get started, you think it might be sooner, but I think in your field and research, I mean, it is, it is a long time. So when you started working with these materials, like you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, did you have, um, like, it was more the research part of it, and then the discovery of these two parts coming together, and what they could do together, and then um, an application for that came to mind, or how did you know? So basically, tell us then what, what product you've been able to create out of this um, uh, combination, and how did you get the idea and how did you know that these materials were going to have this benefit, this effect? Yes. Yeah. And that, that's a great question. And a lot of research is like serendipitous, you know, there's a lot of luck involved and there's a lot of being able to recognize when something lucky comes your way. And this material, everyone in the academic, you know, space recognized that this material had great potential, but a lot of materials come through with great potential. And then it's never really realized, um, often for cost or complexity or that sort of thing. And so we just kept studying it, kept thinking of applications. We've done a lot of medical applications for it that are you know, maybe 20 or 30 years from actually you know, translation because medicine takes so much longer. Mm. But um, at, when the pandemic hit, I had been working, we just moved to the US, my whole family had moved over to Florida, quit my job so I could take some time off with my son. The pandemic hit and you know the world froze for two years essentially and so i had a ton of time to think every day about what i what i really wanted to do next i wasn't too bogged down with uh teaching students or going to meetings or anything and i could just play with my son and, and let my brain process everything i've been working on for eight years and um I, I had a, a great idea and I was like, all right, we're gonna use these for antimicrobial coatings. You know, we have a virus, we have a pandemic, but even when the pandemic ends, we still have the flu. We still have, you know, the common cold, we have bacteria. 
we have you know, we have infection around us trying to attack us at every single given moment constantly <laughs> my, yeah my son this morning he's got the sniffles and i'm like get away stay away you know i don't want you near me <laughs> we had yeah we had a play date here and right after uh my friend wrote me and said oh sorry my turns out my daughter has conjunctivitis so you know wash your hands Gosh. when you get home right and yeah yeah. We uh we we deal with that. And so I had this great idea, what I thought was a great idea to turn this coating into uh turn this material into an antimicrobial coating for fabrics, for masks specifically. Right. Okay, so let me just so so basically if you turn it into a antimicrobial coating, say for example, masks, the benefit there obviously is that the mask is giving protection from foreign invaders and the yes. micro antimicrobial coating is going to be an, an enhancement to that mask, right? Okay. Exactly. So, right. Okay. Yeah, because normally we wear masks to stop others from getting our cold is really why we wear it. But they often don't provide um they provide good protection for ourselves, but the thought was we could make them even better for ourselves so that it would protect others and protect ourselves and you know kind of go back and forth. Um, but yeah, and so the Japanese government loved this idea of this. They gave me funding to come over. We got to move our family over, even while their borders were locked down, which was a cool experience in itself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, we're all locked down. No one's supposed to go anywhere, but then you're about to embark on an exciting new trip. And I mean, that's a whole other story and that's a whole other world. I don't understand. I mean, how you could even, you know, connect with the University of Tokyo. Well, it sounds like you had a connection with the professor there. And, yes, uh, yes. and then to, you know, bring yourselves over. And funny enough, like we've talked about this before, I lived in Tokyo now, gosh, it's 25 years ago. I went there to teach English when I was 22. And uh, I mean, I remember, and this is, let's just go on a little side, uh, side um, uh, tangent here. I arrived and thought, how am I ever going to buy like a stick of gum. I was just lost. Like I, I, I would buy milk and come home with yogurt. Like <laughs> I didn't know what I had. I, it was so foreign. And I had done a lot of traveling when I was younger, uh, you know, to Europe or the Caribbean. I, I felt like I was quite well-traveled for a young person, but nothing could have prepared me for the culture shock of going to Japan. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, but that is exciting to do in the middle of the pandemic because, you know, meanwhile, everyone's sort of shutting down and not really planning to go anywhere, but then you're doing this big, big move. And, um, and I wonder also like how the Japanese were, were they like the Canadians? Were they as restricted and as shut down as us? Were they worse? Were they better? You know, what was it yeah, like? It was, yeah. Just on a side note, what was it like when you got there? It was, um, I mean, and like you said, I mean, uh, there's such a culture shock. I had been there a few times. I had lived there for a few months doing research, but um, really moving to to truly like live there with my with my family and everything. It was every day was a challenge um, in a good way, but I, yes. I, I I'm incredibly educated. I've spent you know my whole life at universities and. I get somewhere and I'm illiterate, you know, I, I can't read, I can't write, I can't talk with people. You know, it's very humbling. It is enormously humbling. Oh my gosh, you hit the nail on the head there. It is overwhelming. You feel like your arms have been cut off and, and you do feel muted and, and, and lost. And uh, it is such a enhancing and rewarding experience. And, and, you know, so much of the world is small. So when you go places, you know, you see and experience things that are so similar to your culture. But I did feel when I got to Japan, like, 
wow, I am a fish out of water here, right? But 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 they're amazing, and and I really took in their culture and and uh, made all the trips down to Kyoto and and uh, the Golden Temple, and I, I tried to take it all in. But um, so anyway, so that's a side note. So that's an interesting you know feat in and of itself to go over. So now to pursue more research on these interesting materials, and you had this time you were sort of formulating things in your mind, all the things you've been working on for years. And now you pick up and you go. And what's the plan when you get there? Yeah, so I got there and I keep talking about this great idea I had. You know, it's just fantastic. And I was like, I was 100% sure it was going to work. And then I got to the lab. We got all my, you know, ingredients bought. We got the virus. We got bacteria. We got fungi. Everything was set up. And I did my first test. And of course, we have to do lots of controls. And I'm always very safe that I have a lot of things running in parallel to see. You never know when something will surprise you. And I had thought copper was going to be just this amazing metal for my films. Um, we had made copper films with our plant extract before. And I just thought, you know, copper is known to be antimicrobial. It should be good. But I put silver in as a control because silver always works. Silver just seems to be this unstoppable force mm -hmm. that I wasn't too, I didn't like it too much because it was, it was so, you know, common in that it worked so well, but I put it in there and it wasn't supposed to work with our plant extract for various reasons. Um, but it worked incredibly well. And so I checked all my results and I, I couldn't believe it because silver is supposed to turn very brown and kind of nasty. Uh, when it's in nanomaterials, but my coating was invisible. And so I couldn't see it. I didn't even think it deposited, but I still did my virus test on it and there was no virus there. And so I said, okay, I made an issue, an error. I didn't put the virus in properly. So I ran it again, it was still nothing. And I thought, okay, two times, I probably didn't mess up because I was specifically focusing, but it clearly emerged that my great idea of copper was not so great, but mm -hmm. I had you know, gotten lucky and this other thing just was a complete uh, juggernaut, you know, it just stopped everything. And within about a month of coming to Japan, I had these results that were uh, essentially, we, we knew we had a product because we had spent eight years refining this process, um, figuring out that we could spray it, we could apply it on different materials, how robust it was, how temperature resistant it was. And now we have this application. <clears throat> and so that was, that was really exciting, of course. Um, and yeah, that's when we started shifting from the pure research and figuring out why this worked so well to, um, you know, like trying a, to get a practical application. Yeah, exactly. Trying to get a, a product on the market. Yeah. Okay. So essentially now what you've come to then is this discovery that, okay, the copper didn't work out, but the silver is doing these amazing things with the polyphenols and they're able to, uh, is it kill a virus if a virus hits it? Is that a, an yes, yeah. virus? Exactly. Yeah. It inactivates it and it also kills bacteria and fungi. So it's kind of right. this, you know, catch all. And this is, this is like, uh, this is so fascinating to me because I've worked with uh, an, an immune product and antibacterial for years, just a, a supplement. And so I've, I've learned a lot about it. And then obviously, I mean, the pandemic, it's been, you know, front and center, but for years as well, like a decade before that, I have always been um, fascinated and talking about, you know, the, the amount of foreign invaders trying to come and get us all the time, not trying to fear monger, but I mean, we've got 
staph and strep and E. coli and salmonella and helicobacter pylori. And I mean, the list is endless of the bugs, yeah. right? And I think until modern day medicine, one of the biggest fears of life was infection, right? I mean, that was, if, if you got an infection, uh, I think your days were numbered. So yeah. yeah, so now what you've got then is something that uh, you don't ingest. This is something that you're suggesting as a topical application. First, we were talking about the masks, and um, I know specifically the product that 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 you're working with, and we're going to talk about that. But um, I can see how this material and what you're describing can be used. Like, I mean, it's actually endless in the, the places it can be used, right? So maybe tell us about. Um, like we have a practical application for everyday people, uh, which is called Swift Spray. It is amazing. So we can talk about that, but then also like, yeah, there it is. It, this stuff is crazy. Okay, should we talk about Swift Spray right now? And then also- No, maybe- no, let's let's get to it. That We'll take go through the full journey because there's okay, yeah, let's more go. challenges. Keep, let's, okay, so let's keep going. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, exactly like you said, we have this, it's limitless. You can do anything with it. Um, and as you were talking about, you know, in the olden days, if you got in the olden days, we're talking about a few hundred years ago or less, if you got infection, your days were numbered or you hoped that your body could beat it off. Um, but in certain cultures, silver was actually taken as, as a medicinal antimicrobial. And it's one of the few things that has lasted through time. You know, it's really, really been tested through time in that, um, there doesn't seem to be any mutations against it. So you don't get, you know, antibacterial resistant, you know, mm-hmm. um, bugs when they're exposed to silver because there's no resistance against it um, that's been shown so far. So and, which, it's kind and, of, so, yeah. and sorry to jump in, which is also another fascinating thing about antibiotic resistance, right? And this yeah. is, yes. they were they were killing everything when they came out in the forties. And then by like the mid eighties, there was, you know, 80% of uh, the strains were, resistant to um to penicillin so yeah so the bug the bugs get smarter they change they evolve right but with this it's you know silver is able to as you said historically and and now with your research it's just it's just a fantastic uh anti antibacterial yeah and it's it's still used um i i'm they're fda approved formulations of silver i think topically for for the eye for like Mm -hmm. you know pink eye and similar and um, there are people looking at bringing it back for getting an FDA approved oral formulation um, right. of silver back because it's it's very, very potent and it's very, very safe. And it's really hard to hit that, you know, perfect um, balance between safety and efficacy. But for some reason, it really doesn't affect, you know, humans and, and mammals um, has some effects on fish, but it's mainly bacteria, fungi and viruses, which is generally what we want to be safe from. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we know there's thousands, probably millions of papers, maybe not millions, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of papers on silver being antibacterial. So it wasn't particularly surprising, but it was surprising that we could make this invisible coating, you know, that didn't have normally this nasty color that silver often has when it turns into a nanomaterial. And so we were looking at applications, you know, and people have looked at it, you can put on walls for hospitals or door handles or um, all sorts of things. And I started talking to people in medical settings and especially people wearing masks that are very interested in protecting themselves. And it turned out everyone that was wearing a mask 
to protect themselves was already wearing the very, very best mask you could, like N95s or other respirators. But people who are wearing a cloth mask, which our material could really benefit, didn't really care. They were often wearing the mask for societal pressure or you know, laws that had been enacted in their countries. So when we talked to them, oh, would, would you use this? They were just kind of like, no, you know, I, I bought mm-hmm. it. And then the other people, they have their N95, so they wouldn't use it. And so we realized we were being typical scientists where we solved a problem that didn't exist, you know. Right. Um, right. Theoretically, it existed, but practically it didn't. And um, that's where I remembered my wife had this, you know, pair of yoga pants or was looking at one a long time ago that had silver in the threads. And okay. it was supposed to, you know, help stop the stink. And I was very skeptical of it at the time. Um, but, you know, now seven years later, I was like, okay, why don't I put this coating on my clothes? And I was in Tokyo. It was, it was then getting to be about April. So it was starting to warm up. I bike ride in. And so I put this on my, you know, I put this on my clothing and that's when I really saw like we had something magical. I got home from work and the armpit I sprayed didn't smell like anything. The armpit, I didn't smell terrible. And it was, it was eerie to not smell like anything. You know, normally we, we smell like something, but um, it really hit home to me that, yeah, I'd heard the body odor was caused by bacteria, but I didn't realize that really it's, it's caused that much by bacteria. Absolutely. Odor causing bacteria. Right. And, uh, and, and I know that myself, like you might have nice blouses or clothes that really shouldn't go through the wash. I mean, we're often washing our clothes too much and, or they don't need to be washed as much, or if you've got like a little drop of something on your clothes, it doesn't all need to go into the wash. You could just spot wash that area, but probably the biggest reason people put their clothes in to be washed all the time is because of armpit smell right or just perspiration or or even just if you're you you know if you get hot your whole body can sweat um so so this is really cool so you're you're trying this stuff out on your own clothes just for fun to see what happens and you're noticing like wow okay like it's hot in tokyo i'm getting stinky on the way into work i've sprayed this stuff on my clothes uh wow and and everything smells i still smell fresh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes yeah yeah so now you start thinking okay like it you know it was such a smart idea for people with masks but it's funny you can't help those that aren't that interested if they weren't in the first place with wearing their mask right so now you've got something that it's like hey wow okay this helped me and then I guess your mind started to roll with that a bit yes yeah exactly and Again, from the scientist perspective, we're used to things um, failing. So we we always have tons and tons. Oh, that's and tons that's of that's so hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like that sounds like the life of a salesperson, constantly failing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, we we might be uh, long lost spirit scientists and uh, you know and kindred spirit yeah. scientists and salespeople. Uh, so so yeah, it was. The first thing I thought was, wow, this is incredible. But then I thought, okay, you know, we've seen this phenomenon before. It's probably something to do with me, my clothes, my specific condition, you know, that I applied this in the lab, all these other things. And so I um, sent it to, you know, my mom in, in Florida and it's hot and humid there and she plays golf all the time. 
and of course she's a mom so uh she's she was gonna say it was gonna work anyways but I was hoping that maybe my dad would weigh in and say like no she <laughs> she stunk um but but she was blown away and um you know some of the the golfers in her ladies golf group were like oh that's you know that sounds interesting can I get some and I said no um I wasn't you know sure I was like just just Give, give me some time, you know, it's hard to source bottles and things, but that proved to me that my mom could use it. So normal person, non-scientist could receive something in the mail from me and use it. And so then we, I sent some to strangers. I went um, on Reddit actually and found people with like uh, clinical body odor issues and mm. kind of said, hey, do you, do you want to try this? And a few, yeah, well, most wanted to try, but a few would give me their address to let me send them to you because there's certain anonymity that people want to keep. Um, well, and I was just going to say that that is such a limiting factor for people. I mean, we all, I think, are born with our own uh, bag of troubles, right? And and for some people, it is body odor, and it's a, it, and that affects their social lives. It affects uh, it. It causes anxiety. Um, they they usually have to put extra time and effort into planning like their day when it comes to clothes or cleanliness or bringing something along. So th that can be an extremely stressful thing to live with. So, um, so this, this is interesting. This is good. This is, this is good. Yeah. So, and it's, it's exactly that. So as a, as a scientist, I initially didn't think that, you know, a body odor and an odor protection spray would be that valuable to society versus something that could stop or help prevent, you know, infection. But as I talked with these people and, you know, joined forums to learn about people, you know, that were very concerned with their body odor, I realized that exactly like you said, it can cause a ton of anxiety and, you know, it can cause all sorts of issues, even with washing clothes, like you mentioned, if you're in somewhere mm -hmm. humid and you can't dry them properly and they always just, they smell and so you have to buy new clothes. And yeah, thankfully these people tried it and they gave me really detailed feedback, you know, um, paragraphs of feedback because when they knew I was a scientist, they also really just like wanted to help. Um, and it was all positive. And so at that stage, I was like, okay, I think, you know, we've tested enough controls, of course, send it to other people too, friends and family. But I got to the stage where I was like, all right, I think this is, this is ready to now really seriously look into turning this into a product that we could actually get to people. You know, I would rather just give it all away for free, but yeah, well, life doesn't work like that. <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I said the only things the, the best things in life are free and they're the blue sky and the stars in the sky. And I, whenever I see them, I send the kids out to have a good look. I'm they're sick of hearing it. I'm like, kids, look at that sky. It's gorgeous. Oh, the stars are out tonight. <laughs> it's free. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. But these things in life, this is this is the reality. But the fact that um you're able to do all of these years of research and then come to, you know, to see something come to fruition and a conclusion that this can have a massive benefit is enormously rewarding, but also there's going to be a cost to that. So no, we can't, we can't just do these things for free. You're what you're doing is providing an amazing option for people, but this isn't just about people who are struggling with, you know, body odor issues. This is really for everybody. Uh, I mean, I know just with my life, yoga, uh, we have kids in hockey, like, you know, what my husband does, like it's the, the list is kind of endless with where this can go. So 
So, um, so you had all this great feedback, you connected with people that it could really affect and help their lives. And then you thought, okay, well, how can we, I'm jumping to a conclusion here, but I'm thinking you're thinking, how can we get this into a commercial scale here? Right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So <clears throat> yeah. And that's what, during this whole process, I was then relying on my sort of master's work where I was looking at supply chains and logistics and all of this. And I, you know, had already validated that this could be scaled, but at that stage, I was really looking because of the eight years of research, we knew that we could get enough of the plant, the polyphenol, we knew we could get enough of the silver because we use so little of it because these nano coatings, like I said, they're so tiny, you can't see them with your eye. So we're not talking about a, you know, a bullion coin or something. It's really this, you know, thin coating that's the size of a virus that can take that virus out, for example. Amazing. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's really, it's really cool stuff. So then, you know, looked at the scaling and because we sort of went from the translational approach very early on, we tried to get this in a, a easy to use form factor. The best we could use, do at this stage is uh, two nozzles, one for the plant polyphenol and one for the silver. And just remind uh, me again, cause we talked about this earlier. Why are they separate? You, uh, we've talked about that, but let's just go yeah. through that one more time. And so that they're in separate is, chambers, these two parts, the polyphenol and the silver. But there's yeah, a reason yeah. for that. And that, that harkens back to when I said that I didn't think silver would work because normally these plant polyphenols and silver, what happens when they're mixed is they form these really brown nanoparticles and they're okay. They have applications, but they're really unstable. They're really messy and they leach a lot of silver into the environment. They're very ineffective. But um, so that's why I assumed silver wasn't going to work, but I put it in as a control. Not that it wasn't going to work, but it wasn't going to do what I wanted, which was to be kind of completely colorless and completely innocuous. So if medical professionals used it, they would, you know, not have a brown spot on their mask or something. Mm -hmm. um, and interestingly, at this, when we're at these very thin um, nano coatings with these polyphenols, and they're kind of stuck rather than floating around in solution, these silver ions, which are by far the most effective form of silver, they're trapped. And when they're trapped, they're even 10 times more effective than silver ions would be in solution. And those silver ions in solution are 10 times more effective than these silver nanoparticles. So it's like a hundred times better. We need a hundred times less silver to do the same thing. And that's why we keep them separate because if they mix, when they're in these solutions, they slowly form into these very brown nanoparticles and they're still effective. They're still going right. to kill viruses, but they're going to wash out quicker in the wash. They're not going to, you know, has as much broad spectrum. They might be ugly on certain shirts. So it was, it was quite a challenge to, yeah, separate them, keep them separate, but also make sure that users could, you know, the user friendliness of it. I'm used to a lab facility with all these fancy equipment, but to make sure that people could do it at home. Yeah. And that was as an, as an everyday, yeah. everyday product. Yeah. Right. Okay. So now you're looking at uh, how to take this commercially and you do it. You've, I mean, you've basically, you found the bottle, you, you've bottled it. Um, and now it's available, right? So you brought it to the yeah. U S first. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yes. there, I mean, there's been so many features on it. Like it's constant, the amount of coverage you've had, it's incredible. Um, and people are really, really fascinated by this. So just like, tell us then like who, who can use this and, and how, you know, how, why, where would they get it? 
Yeah, and I'll, I'll give, uh, I'll, I, I first need to give like a, a shout out to my wife for credit because absolutely, as a, as a scientist, like I, I, I keep saying that like as a scientist, but it's because I don't know how to put it any other way. Maybe I'm just a difficult person, but I don't buy many things. Like my mom bought me this shirt, for example, same with the pants that I'm wearing. So, and I'm, you know, I'm a grown man. But I don't have any eye. Yeah, yeah. You sound like most men. They probably rely on on the lady or the mothers or whoever in your life, you know, and they're like, you should get yourself a new shirt. Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. (laughs) Yes, very, very much so. Well, now I can keep my shirts fresh. So at least I don't have to worry about, you know, anyone complaining about the smell. But um, I didn't understand even what like a brand was or what, you know, color packaging or right fonts or things and my wife works um with one of her friends who runs a great branding agency and we're thinking like I had made this terrible website terrible logo terrible name (laughs) and I showed my wife and she is very honest and was very polite (laughs) that it was not up to her standard and the, the, your first shot it's okay honey but it could use some improvement <laughs> yeah it was it was more like you're not gonna that's not what you're gonna put publicly right and I was but like that but you know what then I'm just gonna add in there like that's what's so fascinating to me about all levels of industry is that you can't do it all right like you 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 can't be the salesperson the marketer the I mean you're the creator of the product you're the researcher you're the scientist right but then you you need all the other levels and all the other individuals with those different types of minds to do the next steps. Right. So that's great. So, I mean, what I've seen so far, if your wife's responsible for it, like a huge high five, she's nailed it. So yeah. So she said, okay, let's have a look then. And, and uh, started to get involved with it from that part. Exactly. And then we did like a whole, you know, questionnaire, how we wanted to be, if we wanted to be very science focused or very kind of environmentally focused and natural, if we wanted to be fun or serious, high end or mid tier or like, you know, bargain. And it opened my eyes legitimately to that there was something behind, you know, these products that we see. It's not just as simple as, as I would think it is. Um, and yeah, we got like, we, we eventually settled on this really friendly blue, this quirky font. It's, it's fun and playful. Um, it yeah, is yeah, a great seen, name too. Swift spray. It's a great name. Yeah. We like, we went through, we went through probably hundreds of names. My first name was like, yeah, I had very sciencey kind of like macho names. <laughs> and I found actually that a lot of them were taken. Yes. You know, that I would look and I'd be like, oh, there's actually a company, but it's kind of hokey, the name I came up with in the shower, but there were real products, but you'd look at them and they, they weren't doing all they could do um, in terms yeah. of that, you know, guard or ban in the name. Um, yeah. What would you say then is really different than like about Swift, excuse me, Swift Spray compared to, I mean, are there other products on the market that are claiming to, um, you know, prevent uh smell and so on i mean so first of all let's just say swift spray is something that an average person would just use and they could literally use it on their clothes and it's going to save uh like it will it it works up to like 100 washes almost right but you you'll say last five washes but like you found it's up to 100 washes and also that's so interesting how it it, the coating stays like it doesn't wash out right so the clothes are protected long term um, we're talking about the smelly armpit type stuff. We're talking about, um, 
like your everyday clothes that you wear to work, your exercise clothes. And then you took it steps further where it's like your yoga mat, your, your shoes, your Mm -hmm. hockey bag, your like, I mean, yeah, that's sort of all these different. Yeah. Even, yeah. I mean, the farthest, the farthest we took it was, you know, pet beds and and pet Pet clothes actually. Yeah. Roy might, Roy might visit us here. My brother-in-law's dog um, was, you know, kind of the first one to get his, sweater sprayed and his pet bed and his towel and um yeah it makes a big difference for pets which their odors also cause bad bacteria but it's so pungent that we normally think it's a completely different class of smells um it's so hard to get out but it's because they have dandruff and they have drool and they have hair so they don't brush their teeth they don't brush their teeth. Yeah, they, they lick you. Um, but yeah, so even pets, you know, things that are the smells that are normally considered very extreme, um, Swift can definitely protect against. And so I think I, I would have to check my list, but we've probably been used on over 100 different uh, items, you know, ranging from ski boots, sweaters, jackets, oh, like wow. I said, tons of pet things, bags, and people sometimes write me and say, oh, I used it on my ex. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think that yeah. that would be something you would use it on. But I'm great to hear, you know, car seats, all, all sorts yes. of things. Um, yes. And something's so great for traveling as well. If, yes, right? Yeah, limited um, clothes when you travel. and Yeah, yeah. We've had uh, some of the biggest feedback has been from, which we actually have a really cool test uh, on right now with someone who's a very, very hardcore hiker and um you know sort of backpacker where they'll do four or five six days without bathing camping like truly in the dirt but we haven't we haven't had the feedback um from him yet so i'm really excited but we've had people yeah. go to like thailand or they go to costa rica and they say look i didn't wash my shirt for three days and it didn't smell at all you know it just like it, it blows them away and what that means for them on vacation is that instead of every day going to the hostel or hotel and washing their clothes, or like you said, instead of bringing a check-in bag, they can just bring a small carry-on and really just enjoy their vacation rather this than worrying is really, about logistics. Yes, this is something that all uh, those kids in their 20s, those backpackers, they need to take with them because uh, it's tough to find laundry facilities along the way. And, and uh, you know, you're, it's great if you can grab a shower, but um, the clothes part, right? Getting your fr- fresh clothes. So so that, that, that's, that is so awesome. So, okay. So now, now you've been getting tons of coverage. And so how did that happen and who's been picking up the story? Yeah. So we've been getting um, coverage from all over, partially because it's, it's rare that you have a scientist bring a product to market, you know? Um, so there's a very unique story there. It's also rare that you have a lifestyle product that's backed by a scientific peer reviewed publication. So these things um, pique people's interest, but what I've noticed the most with journalists is that they, I think, want to pick a fight. And so we always say, like, take our swift challenge. You know, we guarantee if you spray it on your left armpit or your shirt and not your right, like you'll smell the difference. And so they keep just coming up and trying it and realizing that it works really well. So it's really good coverage for us too, because people are interested, you know, they're like, oh, if you have a challenge, like, oh, you know, I'll take that challenge. Um, Right. Yeah. So we've we've been featured in uh, in uh, KTLA. So it's a huge LA um, you know TV show, news show. We just got featured in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is one of the biggest um, news stations in that their part. 
you know, it's a journalist working out on TV and then at the end, smelling it. Um, we've been featured in Real Simple, which is a print magazine. And yeah, it's been really cool. And it's been interesting for us because we initially, you know, we didn't know who was going to like it. Even when we were doing, you know, the branding sort of questionnaire with my wife, it was, you know, what age group do you want to target? And I said, I, I don't know. I think anyone could use this. My mom's using it. You know, do you want it to be male or female or like, you know, single or couple or this? And we've just found people from every walk of life. We have, we have customers in 45 countries now, maybe, maybe 46 this week, but um, it's, it's crazy. And they all use it for different things. So um, I wish I'd had it for my wedding day. I mean, I was so <laughs> nervous and I was sweating and oh my goodness, like uh, my wedding dress could have definitely used it. <laughs> yeah, I bet your husband too. And that's, that's a great like yeah. thought, you know, even, even, yeah, let's, let's talk to, you know, a bridal place. Um, my, we're going to have a brand ambassador soon that we're going to announce, but um, it's, uh, it's a flight attendant um, and she used it and she was just like blown away, you know, because they're constantly lifting things. It's a high stress situation, they have uniforms. Yes. And when you're constantly lifting and closing things with people around for a 12 yeah. hour flight, you know, that's very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable and probably on their mind a little bit. This is a wonderful reassurance for them. That's so cool. So again, where can people get this? Yeah, sorry. So yeah. right now um, they can get it from our website, which is easy, which is um, swiftspray.com. We ship everywhere in the world, um, free shipping currently. And wow. we just want, you know, we want people to be able to try it. And in this bottle, we like to say, it's a small bottle, but it's not the size. It's how long it lasts. You know, you can put whatever euphemism in there you want, but this will coat, you know, 15 to 30 shirts, the armpits yeah. of 15 to 30 shirts. So that little bottle and each of those is going to last, you know, five, 10, 50, hundred washes, depending on the fabric type. So you're just getting a massive amount of value in a quite small bottle. Yeah, it'll help um, your nice clothes last longer too for women who, you know, invest in some nice pieces. Those pieces, yeah. you know, they because once and if you get smelly armpits and you have to start rubbing and and you you start to compromise the material and and it takes the shape out of the shirt or whatever it is. So, it's a great way especially uh, you know, some clothes are very expensive and it's an investment, right? So you want to protect them that way too. And I'm yeah. so excited to say it is also available now on Amazon Canada. That yeah. uh, listing is live. So you can buy it on Amazon Canada. It's coming to health uh, stores all across Canada. So uh, you can start asking for it now there. And then in America, it's on Amazon USA, right? Yeah, it's in Amazon USA. So our website, swissway.com, Amazon USA, Amazon Canada. and um, we're always talking with new sort of people trying to compete with Amazon. So we will be listed on a few more kind of competitor marketplaces. Soon. Good. Good. Uh, and I, I just wanted to say I have my jacket here because it's quite cold. It's kind of a sports jacket, but it's what you were saying. Like it gets really stinky because I'm wearing a jacket because it's cold, but I'm sweating in the jacket, but I don't want to wash my jacket every two no. days because it takes so long to dry. So yeah, there's those kind of high value, you know, Articles yeah, jackets yeah jackets would be a big one because that's not something you can just throw in the wash um exactly yes and um, i know and, and me too women wear suit jackets wear suits and and it's it's just about protecting those clothes and it's an amazing way to do so 
So what uh, is on? Yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry, go Kate, on. there's there's one more because no, no. it's actually really exciting news. Um, we're also um, in JFK Airport and we're in the Phoenix Airport right now with a pilot study with an airport uh, shop that they have, you know, awesome. all over the U.S. Awesome. Oh, and that's we, a great place for it. Yes. Yeah. And we sold out of our first uh, pilot batch at JFK. So um, that was within, I think, like a week. Um, so soon people will be able to see it, um, you know, as they travel. And like you said, in Canada, they're going to be able to see it in stores around them. So that's that's a really cool thing and a dream, you know, as a as a scientist that you get to see something you created out there in the wild. It's really cool. Uh Absolutely. And helping people. And, you know, we talked about people who, you know, I mean, everyone gets stinky, but obviously there's some people who are dealing with more. So that's certainly a huge help for them and socially and letting them be parts of activities and things that may have, you know, they might've held themselves back for, for that reason. And then, uh, you know, looking after all these investments that we make in our clothes and, and the nice things we have. And then again, like all of our stinky sports equipment, our pets, um, our yoga, I mean, anything that you can imagine being stinky. And I remember you saying to me, it's also so nice. Like you could go to a yoga class and come out and, um, you know, often sometimes you don't have time to grab a shower in the yoga studio. You've got to get home or you've got to quickly whip by the grocery store and you, your, your clothes aren't going to be stinky. So that, that's amazing. You just whip in and not be embarrassed <laughs> that you're yeah, yeah, overwhelming exactly. people in the aisle while you're trying to pick up some, uh, a protein shake or something. Right. So, um, so it's enormously helpful. Well, I'm so excited about it. I'm so like your, your background and everything you've done. I mean, it is exciting to see that something you've worked on, you can actually put now out into the marketplace and run with it and see what goes. And then what do you have other projects on the go or right now we're just totally focused on this at the moment? No. So we, I always have other projects and um, you know, this is also opened my eyes quite a bit, you know, developing this product on the value I can add to society as a scientist. Um, as before, I was thinking fair, fairly exclusively, you know, medical and very much FDA approved, which is a very lengthy, um, complicated, expensive process. But, um, you know, I never thought I would have a product that, you know, said chemical free on the back because mm -hmm. as a scientist, okay, this is different, but colloquially, yeah, we don't use any synthetic chemicals, you know, it's hypoallergenic, et cetera. And it realized, I realized that I have a lot of value um, in sort of these household consumables also. Mm -hmm. But strictly as a scientist, what I was brought back to Australia to do um, by, uh, you know, a very great grant from the Australian government is to study how nanomaterials interact with plants. So completely different um, than SWIFT, but relies on a lot of similar technologies. And that's how pollution affects plants, how microplastics, how fertilizers, all these sort of things, what happens? Because we don't know if they end up in the fruit we eat or the stems, or if they make plants grow worse, or maybe they even make plants go better. We just have no idea, but it's crucially important for us moving forward. Wow. It's, it's, it's endless, isn't it? It is endless. You can see why research is just, you know, it's ongoing all the time because how many avenues you can go down just even in this one field of study that you're talking about. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's super exciting because I've, I've gotten to work on, you know, in vitro fertilization technologies, you know, wow. anti-cancer technologies, forensics, um, 
you know, other things to like break down greenhouse gases. And there's so much to do, but, you know, with getting this product out, it sort of, yeah, helped me clarify that we can have a direct impact and that as long as we keep that in mind and sort of keep our mind open, we move forward. Even if we thought we're creating an antiviral mask, it could be that we're actually, instead of impacting 10,000 people, we're impacting the whole world mm-hmm. who might be worried about their odor or the chemicals they're putting on their skin. They now right. have- Right. And that's something I don't think we've highlighted enough here that if people are listening is to understand that this is a completely natural product. That is why, I mean, this is why it's so attractive to me. And this is why it's important for me to talk to someone like you, because I am the natural health world. That is, that's all that we do. And it is about- uh, helping people and not hurting people, right? So the this this type of product is helping people, but the, it's all safe uh, properties. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right? And that's um, something as I as I uh, kind of immersed in this odor space, I would have people write me, you know, and say, "Hey, I have this rash on my armpit. Um, can you check the ingredients for me?" And I would get these, you know, natural deodorants that just had a really long list of ingredients and that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad, but they were not always, but could, could be very deceptive with the way they phrase things, um, their value statements. And often they had things that were completely unnecessary or were very counterproductive. So mm-hmm. if you want a natural product, you probably don't want anything that could be bad for you but they might put things in that we know you, you shouldn't really be putting on your body or your skin. At the same time, there was the scandal with benzene being in a lot of aerosol deodorants. Yes. And so we saw that even if your ingredients list looks clean, the facility you're making it in might not be up to scruff. So yeah, even as a scientist, we have two ingredients in water and even that I'm like, Oh, could we get it any lower? You know, we, (laughs) we just want it to be simple and clean. You don't want fragrances. Yeah, I know it's, yeah. it's crazy, but that's what we think about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Dr. JJ, is there anything else you think that we need to know about? But I, I think we've covered so much. I actually think that we could have a lot more fascinating conversations about all the other things you've worked on. Um, but I thought it was really important today to let people know about this. Amazing, like, first of all, the, um, the time and energy that has gone into coming to this discovery and now what you've been able to um, put together and affect some change in the marketplace and help people. It's just so cool. And uh, it's available and uh, it's available right now. And yeah, I mean, if there's anything else you wanted to add, you know, here's, here's, here's the moment. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say like, we can have, we'll definitely do another, another one of these where we can dive into either Japan or I would love that. You know, what nano, what, what foods have nano science involved in it. Um, but yeah, the last thing I'd like to say is that, you know, that really, Research does pan out. It takes a very, very long time. It takes a lot of people. I've trained a lot of students. I've been trained by a lot of professors. But um, when it finally comes to fruition and all of those pieces come together, you can get something really wonderful that helps a lot of people. But it often moves, as you said, much slower than we would hope. And so I would hope I would have had a product on the market 10 years ago when I did my PhD, but I also realized that we can't force it and we need to take our time and do it well. Absolutely. And that's a great way. That's a great way to end it. Just to remind people to uh, take it easy and, and uh, you know, know that good things take time and patience is, is a wonderful virtue. So, well, on that note, 
Thank you, Dr. JJ. It was great to chat with you and we will do this again. And uh, I wish you all the best with your new uh, stop. I don't know if it's pit stop or it's a, a long stop in Australia. And uh, we'll connect again and just keep us posted on anything new that might happen. We'd love to know. Thanks, folks, for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please follow me on Instagram at katemaguire.ca and join me for more episodes on The Bridge to Health. Bye for now. The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.